and welcome to our Having the Chats podcast. Hello, hi everyone. So today it will just be me talking to you, having the chats all by myself, but I will be chatting to you about my own health story over the past two years. This will form a two-part episode to include Bell's palsy another day. But for today, I will be talking about my own journey with CSU, chronic spontaneous urticaria. So what is chronic spontaneous urticaria other than it being a mouthful? Anything that's chronic is realistically, it's something that's persisting. Um, And in this case, it's something that lasts more than six weeks. Spontaneous or sometimes called idiopathic means that there's no known cause. And urticaria or urticaria is the medical name for hives. Now, first and foremost, I need to say that when people hear of hives, I'm sure everybody has had um, a bite or a sting or, you know, maybe after exercising or something like that, you might get a bit of a heat rash and you get a bit of itchy skin. So, yeah, think of that and then multiply it by infinity. <laughs> That's the way I feel. So before I delve into my own personal story with it, I just wanted to share some of the facts about it. So urticaria is a skin condition that can affect one in five people at some stage in their lives. Chronic urticaria is less common. It affects up to 1% of the population at some point. Some people can develop angioedema or like swelling of the lips, the eyes, the face, kind of all those soft tissues. And there can be lots of different triggers. So sometimes it could be infection. Sometimes it's stress induced. Sometimes it can be physical factors like pressure, friction, heat or cold, or even after exercise. And then there can be chemical factors like alcohol, hormonal or medication. Or the reason for it and how you get it can be completely unknown, as is my case. It's not life-threatening, but it can be life-altering as you have to learn to live with it. Um, And as for the outcome with it, about 50% of people with chronic urticaria see their symptoms kind of just disappear completely within a year. It can take other people a few years and then in other cases it can take a lot longer. There's no known cure for it at the moment, but it is treatable, usually with very specific prescribed antihistamines. And in the minority of cases, like unfortunately with myself, you need additional medications um, to try and resolve it. So for me, it all started back in January 2019, two years ago now. So I was getting over a chest infection from that Christmas. I remember waking up Christmas Day and my voice was gone. But to be honest, it was the time of year. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I am running on adrenaline uh, for most of the year. But by the end of the year, I'm running on empty and I am definitely prone to getting a chest infection or a cold or something like that. I think we all have a habit of just kind of shrugging things off a little bit, which probably isn't the best idea. But I did notice that my back was a little bit itchy and I had a hive on the top of my leg on my thigh. But again, I didn't really pay much attention to it. And I remember uh, midway through January, I had my nephew's christening and that Monday, things started to really flare. And when I say flare, I had really bad itching all over my stomach and on my arms. So it was itchy. It was hives everywhere. Um, To be honest, I really didn't know what it was. I thought maybe it was a reaction to maybe the food at the christening. And I reached out to my sister-in-law and asked for the number of the caterer because I thought maybe if I find out what ingredients used in his fantastic curry, (laughs) I might be able to pin down something that I might be allergic to. But to be honest, I have no allergies that I'm aware of. So it was highly unlikely. I suppose I was just trying to figure out what it could be. 
so one of my colleagues in work had given me an antihistamine, but it really didn't work. So kind of midweek that week, I ended up leaving work. That's kind of how bad it was. I had to leave work in the middle of the day just to pop down to the chemist. I asked to see the pharmacist and when I showed them my skin straight away, she put me on two antihistamines and said, take them for the next three days. And if it hasn't cleared up, you absolutely need to go to your GP. So, of course, by Friday, it hadn't. And I went to my GP. So really what happened next was about nine days of exploratory antihistamines, trying to figure out what would work. And my GP had also given me a letter for bone mount just in case there was a flare up over the weekends when he wasn't around. And unfortunately, by the end of January, I actually had to, I had to use that letter and go up to A&E in Beaumont. I just seemed to have a bit of a reaction or I felt it was a bit of a reaction to one of the antihistamines that I was trying. Um, I felt my lips swelling a little bit. So I thought, err on the side of caution and go up to A&E. I mean, A&E is not a place where anybody wants to go. Um, And actually, I was probably about I'd say 18 hours there, but there was a fantastic doctor there, Dr. Delaney, and she took really good care of me. They put me on a hydrocortisol drip and plowed me full of more antihistamines. And quite honestly, there was nothing they could do for me. And they knew from the story I had told them of the previous two weeks that really my GP had been giving me all these same antihistamines and it wasn't making any difference. And in fact, it was getting worse. So they decided to sign me out of work for a week purely to find a dermatologist, which probably is an indicator of how bad it was. So as with any of these specialists and consultants, usually there's really, really long waiting lists. And that was why Bowman had signed me out for a week because they felt I would need to put in a good bit of work to try and find a dermatologist who was aware of these, these kind of skin conditions, who could look at my case and see if they could help me out. So thankfully, between my GP and myself, we actually both came across the same dermatologist, uh, Professor Ryan. And I reached out to her and I was so lucky I got an appointment for that Thursday, which was fantastic. So in the meantime, I decided to send a few photos of my skin, which I'd been asked to do by my GP to kind of keep record of how, how it developed. I sent those photos across to the dermatologist secretary and... I literally got, I'd say within an hour, I got an email back and they moved my appointment up till the next day. So again, another little indicator of how bad it looked. Bearing in mind, this is kind of head to toe on me. So it was literally from my neck down to my feet. Um, I don't know how my face escaped it, but it did. It was from my neck to my feet. It was constant itching, hives everywhere in lots of different forms as well. So it was all consuming, to be fair. So I was really happy to get that appointment so quickly. Um, And really from there, it was a a month of trialing antihistamines. So it's the same kind of stuff, which was a little bit frustrating. But again, it's something that you just have to do. And, you know, you're, you're trying to eliminate different probable causes, I guess. So within that period of time where I was trialing the antihistamines with the dermatologist, we also had to go through that process of elimination. So examining whether it was perhaps allergic reactions, whether it was washing powder whether it was bed bugs and scabies and all those horrific things that you never, you never ever think that you're going to have to deal with. Um, And thankfully, it was none of those things. But you do have to do that process of elimination. So by March, they decided to send me to the hospital for blood tests, for more blood tests. And then by mid-March, I was booked in for a biopsy in Blackrock Clinic. Now, look, as I said, my, my head was kind of fuzzy at the start of the year um, and I didn't really know why. But now, I mean, I was forgetting words mid-sentence. You wouldn't want to be worried about it. But I was really, I it was just, the only way I can describe it is that it was just so all-consuming. It was day and night. It was 
it was absolute torture at this stage. So I was happy to get my bloods done. I was happy to get the biopsy. Didn't think too much about it. Probably went into it naively, but I was under their care and I felt they're going to look after me. And they did. Absolutely, they did. So I was booked in for a biopsy in Blackrock Clinic. Now, at this stage, as I mentioned, my mind was gone. I was just, as my mom would say, I was mithered. I was adult and mithered. I didn't have... I just couldn't focus as much because it was just overpowering everything. It was just all day, every day. You're just concentrating on not scratching or cutting yourself from the hives. It was it was just overwhelming is the only word. I, I don't even know if I can put it into words. But anyway, so the biopsy was kind of, I suppose you have to find humor in things. And really, I was just going along with what they were telling me. So I found myself going in for the biopsy, which I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's different types of biopsies. I was thinking that this is just going to be a few scrapes uh, on my skin. They were going to take a few layers of skin, just like scraping my skin a little bit. I honestly didn't think too much about it. And then I found myself on, I'm not going to say an operating table, but it was, I was in the gown. I was, uh, there was a team of people in the room and I was on this table. And next of all, they were numbing my back and they were talking me through what was going to happen. And it was only then that it hit me. It was like, oh, this this is actually a bit more detailed than I thought it was going to be. So anyway, they took samples from three different areas on my back. Um, and I have some I had some lovely stitches and scars since then to to prove it. But look, it's a process and it's a means to an end. So you just get on with it. Um, but I just thought that was funny because I really like I had no clue. I was so naive about the whole thing. I mean, this is all from hives and you just think hives is hives, but this is, yeah, this is the level that it got to. So actually it was a few days after this then that I started to get severe pain on the right side of my face. And I was, at the, <laughs> honestly, I was like, oh, here, come on now. What, what else can go wrong? So this severe pain was on the right side of my face. I ended up going to D-Doc. This was all around Paddy's weekend. Ended up going to D-Doc and... They thought maybe it was neuralgia or sinus issues, but because of my history, he wanted an immediate blood test. But that came back clear, which was fine. And within a few days, the pain moved to the left side of my face and my head was so groggy. I didn't know what was going on, but I was so tired as well. So I think I just hit a wall, really. I mean, at this stage, there was 10 weeks of everything from the itching, the medication, uh, the tests, the biopsies and the pain. I just, yeah, I just hit a wall. So what happens next, I will explore in the next episode when I talk to you about Bell's palsy. But for now, we'll jump forward to say April when the dermatologist came back with my results from the biopsy and they confirmed it was urticaria. Very much a highly resistant case of chronic urticaria. Because I'd been on so much medication and I was trying really, really hard not to scratch, my skin looked really good. Um, so the dermatologist kind of examined me. She looked at the back of my skin. She gave it a bit of a rub. And the minute she did, it flared back up immediately and very aggressively. So really nothing had changed. So the medication that I was on was really just masking it. It wasn't fixing it, um, which was frustrating. But again, you just have to get on with it. I had flare-ups on my chest, on my neck and my face. That kind of nearly looked a bit like acne at one point. And she she reckoned this was the stress that my body was under. And again, I've been taking a lot of medication as well. So really the next two months were to continue as we had been with medications and just getting through Bell's palsy, obviously, at that stage as well. I guess ultimately I went under the care of immunology and bombment, where I still am today. 
I still have a link with the dermatologist, but while I'm under Beaumont's care, there's no point in doing both. So in October of 2019, I saw a specialist in Beaumont who tried some other medication. They were really hoping that come that January, I would have been a year on and it would just disappear as quickly as it came. But unfortunately, it didn't. Realistically, I was very lucky. I was referred on to a program of injections to coincide with my ongoing meds. So I go into Beaumont once a month um, and get two injections. And I've been very lucky in COVID times that I still go in every month. It hasn't changed at all. But I guess it's really important in this instance for consistency and to keep going. So with the injections, for me, it was a serious decision because there can be side effects. Some of the side effects are, are probably general kind of stuff like sinus issues, bad headaches, upper respiratory tract infections. But anaphylaxis was also on the list. And for me, I was like, oh, crap, that's going to take it to another level. So I actually spoke to my aunt, who is a nurse in Tala Hospital, and she specialised in respiratory conditions. So I kind of sought advice from her and she was aware of the injections that I was taking, Zolaire. So she reached out to one of her colleagues. And again, they just reassured me actually that the, the anaphylaxis element of it is more related to people who are taking these injections for their asthma. So the risk really should have been lower for me. So that was good enough for me. Thankfully, I signed up for it and I've been on it ever since. So I'm coming up to a year now of those injections. And to be honest, it's fantastic. My skin is great. I'm not having the itching. Bear in mind, I'm still on four tablets a day as well as now I had been on seven or eight tablets a day at one point for just the skin. But I'm down to four a day now and the two injections a month. And really, it's it's definitely made an improvement. Now, I did have a flare up in November, kind of end of November, start of December, um, which was really disappointing because it was another month then of really of of constant itching back again. Now, it didn't flare up with hives as much because I'm really, really careful and try not to scratch it. And really, that's the only answer to not having the hives is just don't rub it, don't scratch it, don't do anything like that, which I can tell you now is a lot easier said than done. It's near impossible. So to give you an idea of what it is like to live with chronic urticaria, this is kind of neck to foot itching from my neck all the way down to my feet. Do you know what? I think it was even on the soles of my feet at one point. Um, and they were all in different forms. So some looked like hives, welts, wheels. Some were like red dots, like chicken pox or shingles. Some of it looked like prickly heat. If anyone's had that, you'll know what it looks like. It was nonstop itching. If you can pick anything out of this episode, it is the itching, which was like torture. I ended up getting skin infections at the start because obviously I was scratching all the time. I had to wear gloves in bed. I remember putting gloves, like big wintry gloves on in bed at night to try and stop myself automatically just scratching my hives in my sleep. Um, But that didn't work because I'd wake up in the middle of the night and the gloves would be off, as you can imagine. I pretty much have had cold showers for the past two years. I know lots of people listen to Wim Hof and read his books and try the cold showers and the sea swimming, which is meant to be amazing for your body and for your skin and your mind. I had to do it because of this and it wasn't pleasant. But look, you get used to it. Like everything, you get used to these things. I remember talking to one of my brothers at one stage last year and we were talking about sea swimming and I was like, God, maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to go into the icy, cold North Dublin <laughs> sea and maybe it'll reset my system. So I did try it with my lovely cousin, Shiona, and it didn't reset my system. But it was lovely. It was ice cold and it was lovely, but it, no, it didn't reset my system. Maybe if I do it a few more times, it might. I don't know. But 
Again, it was wearing loose clothing. So bear in mind when this all started, it was January 2019. So all through those winter months, I was looking for light summery clothes that had long sleeves. I mean, needle in a haystack in the middle of winter. I was just trying to have something that covered up the hives so people couldn't see all the cuts and bruises and hives and everything on me. Um, And then something light that was going to trigger any of the skin condition. And at one point I even cut my hair. Like even my hair was itching on on the top of my back and I cut it up short. You're trying to do anything to control a situation that you absolutely have no control over. So for me, cutting my hair was a big part of that as well. Sometimes I felt it would flare up in the evening as well. Um, And, you know, it was kind of when I was home from work and I was thinking, well, maybe work was distracting me and I just had to get on with things and work. So it was worse in the evenings. I I don't really know. I definitely couldn't sleep in the first few weeks. I kept waking with the itching. I mean, I'd wake up and literally go and pour water all over my legs and arms just to cool it down. It was so bad. And again, depth of winter and I just had a sheet over me in the bed. Anything that was going to increase my body temperature was just going to trigger it for me. I know I said this at the start, but the one message I do want to get across really is, you know, when I say about chronic spontaneous urticaria, CSU, and I know I mentioned this before, but just the name Hives, When people say, what is your urticaria or urticaria, as some people call it, what is it? And I say hives. I just, I nearly wince every time I say it because I feel it just belittles the overwhelming negative experience that was happening to me and still is almost two years later. So really in COVID times, I have to be extra careful, particularly two weeks in advance of my monthly injections as I can't have a cold or a cough or I won't be able to get the injections. Ironically, you have to be in good health to get the injections. Um, I'm just being extra careful. I mean, I think everyone is at this point with COVID. We don't have much choice, especially with all these lockdowns. But I keep my my bubble of contact small just to be safe. Um, Constant washing of hands, wearing the mask and obviously reducing the amount of people that I see. Look, there's a there's an end in sight for this COVID thing. And I can't say the same for my urticaria, but, but I hope there is. So I guess if there was anyone out there who is experiencing something similar or knows somebody who is, my advice to anyone is really just not to lose hope. Every single situation is different. But if it does last more than six weeks, there is help there. There absolutely is help there. So go to see your GP, Go and talk to a dermatologist and hopefully you don't have to go to the extent of going to the hospital. But if you do, there is definitely help there. Any little tips I could advise would be just have cooler showers. Don't use any strong body lotions or shower gels or tan or anything like that. Just just keep it simple. Like really at the start, I was prescribed Silcox Base and Aqueous Cream. They were my go-to options for the, that first year anyway. And you will be given antihistamines. I mean, these aren't antihistamines that you get over the counter in your chemist. These are obviously prescribed and some of them are pretty heavy duty. But look, there is stuff there, as I said, to help. Uh, it's masking it. I know it's not curing it or getting rid of it, but I'm hoping over time that that will happen. Oh, and loose clothing as well. Wearing something that's not too tight on you is obviously going to lessen the chance of it being triggered. So I guess to wrap up, the one thing I would say is This is not an allergy, it's not life-threatening and it's not hereditary. It is a skin condition that has no cure but it is treatable and while it is life-changing in many ways you really just have to try and work around it. It's not easy and it takes time to get used to it but like everything you just get on with things and I think that's just something that's built into us. I don't know if it's an Irish thing but we just tend to get on with things but the one thing I would say is don't dismiss it. If you do find yourself having itchy skin and it's it's persistent it's going on for a couple of weeks just go to your GP and get it checked out 
And that's it. I hope this was useful and interesting to some of you. And I shall talk to you next time with part two. Thanks for listening to us having the chats today. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you like what we're doing, you can hit subscribe to follow us or leave a comment. If you or someone you know has a story to share, please do reach out. I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch via Instagram at Having the Chats Podcast. Chat to you soon.